This is the Investor Frame Podcast with me, Paul Sparks. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Investor Frame. Uh, I'm Paul Sparks, and I'm here with uh, someone that has really been a mentor for me over the last uh, couple of years. Uh, Eric Brewer, he is the king of novations. He's actually the one who showed me how to to start doing these novation deals. Uh, it's been a fantastic addition to my business. You know, he's done over a thousand of these types of deals. He has done over 3000 residential deals. He's the owner of the Brewer Method and uh, runs a, a wholesaling operation out of Pennsylvania uh, where they do about 350 deals a year. It's an incredible amount of volume, lots of experience that, uh, that we've got here today. So Eric, I'm super happy to have you in. Uh, thanks for joining me. Thanks for coming. I appreciate it, man. I mean, you have such an you have such an incredible background and such a um, a presence in the community that that I'm involved in. Uh, Collective Genius, you're one of the leaders of that organization, and uh, I want to hear more about your a little bit about you know what your business looks like today. I sort of covered it from a high level, but tell me a little bit about who you are as an investor and, and where you're at today. Yeah, um, I started in 2006. Uh, my background prior to getting in real estate was the car business. I had worked my way up through the ranks after about eight years of starting in that business and had learned an awful lot about sales and management and marketing um, and uh, got into real estate. So I, I really, my path into real estate looked a lot like the car business. I would go to auctions um, and buy cars. I went to auctions and bought houses. Uh, I'd fix them up and then I'd retail them. I was actually really bad at buying and really bad at construction, but I was awesome at selling those, those properties um, after I had renovated them to retail buyers. Um, and uh, so I didn't use real estate agents to sell my properties for probably the first two or three years I was in the business. Um, we literally would make $15,000, $20,000 per flip because I controlled the entire sales process on the back end. Um, and as we started to learn a little bit more about buying properties, I hired some quality people to help me run construction and got better at that. Um, we scaled um, into a fix and flip company, which is how I spent most of my first 10 years. Um, and uh, around 2015, 2016, it got really hard to buy stuff on the MLS. I bought most of my deals for the first 10 years of my career off the market. Uh, public auctions are a big deal in Pennsylvania. Um, we would go to public auctions. It's where I actually did most of my innovations um, when I first started doing them in 2011. Uh, we'll talk probably a little bit more about that, but uh, public auctions in Pennsylvania are generally like a state's, um, maybe some, you know, um, I'll call them seasoned people that had uh, owned the property for a long time. It just wanted a simple process was selling. They normally only pay the auctioneer maybe 2% or 3%. It's sold as is, and they go to settlement in 45 days. Um, those are actually great innovation opportunities. They're typically in sound mechanical condition. They're just outdated. Um, so we had a ton of success doing innovations. Um, but anyway, 2015, 16, um, the, the market started to get more competitive and I had to learn direct to seller. That's how I got uh, uh, involved with Collective Genius in 2015. And uh, went there trying to learn how to generate direct-to-seller leads and uh, got everything I had, I had hoped for. And uh, slowly, our business has converted to almost exclusively wholesale uh, direct-to-seller um, since 2015. Um, now I do a little bit of turnkey, fix and flip, wholesale, and about 40%, almost 50% this month of my business will be Novations. So that's what our, and I have 
60 or so rentals. Um, so that's what my sort of real estate, I guess, experience and um, investing um, portfolio looks like currently. That's impressive. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to define novations for me because one of the things that intimidated me was this word that I had never really heard of. Like, what does yeah. that mean? I don't know what this is. And I think yeah. uh, it would be helpful to define that. What is a novation? So let me start by telling you what it's not, because until I started teaching this about a year and a half ago, um, there was some novation um, education out there. There was people that were doing deals, but it was predominantly a fix and flip strategy where you know someone would, would partner with the seller, which sounds like a nightmare in itself, and then renovate the house and then sell it without ever taking deed. But it was it, it involved construction, right? Which um, in the 16 years or so I've been doing this, construction is always the most challenging part of this business. It just never seems to get any easier. Um, so anytime I can avoid construction and make a profit, I lean in that direction. So novation is not a fix and flip strategy, at least not what I teach. It's not what I've done. Um, and it's not what I encourage other people to, to, to implement into their business. What it is, is the word novation simply means new or replacement. So why is that important? Well, let's think about wholesale. Wholesale, because the word assignment doesn't scare you. It doesn't intimidate you. It doesn't confuse you. It doesn't freak you out because that's the normal language that wholesalers have been using forever. I get a property under contract for 100. I assign it for 120 to a cash buyer or a hard money borrower. Um, and that's how I do my deals, mm -hmm. right? Um, so novation, meaning replacement, is an important aspect to understand about the definition because it makes it a financeable transaction, right? Why is that important? Well, finance buyers, retail buyers pay way more than cash buyers and investors. Oh, yeah. Well, why is that important? Well, we're an investor. So when I get a property under contract, if I can only sell it to an investor that wants to make a profit, that has to do construction, that has carrying costs, funding costs, risk, they're always going to pay way less than someone that's going to move into the house, do the work themselves, not do the work or whatever. They're paying 100% of market value. Investors pay, say, 70, 75%. So you can make more money on the current deals that you're doing. And it opens up, I think what you've seen is this whole different pipeline of sellers that call us that have a house that's in good shape. They're a little motivated, but they're not distressed. And by the way, they'll work with you on the price. They'll work with you on terms. They'll work with you on settlement date. They'll work with you on access, but they are not going to drop their price another 40 grand so that you can wholesale it, yep. right? So that's what innovation is. It's basically a wholesale, let's say, transaction but at wholesale terms, meaning we're not paying for it. I'm not renovating it. Um, I'm not funding it. I'm not taking title. So that's, you know, I guess in 50 words or less what innovation is. Novation equals replacement. Yes. It allows us to sell to retail buyers, which really is the main difference, right? A retail buyer is not getting a hard money loan. They're not Double, you know, closing twice, they have the ability to pay significantly more because they're moving into the house. That is the that is the the avenue that Novations opens up. And um, so first of all, it's 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 not as complicated as it sounds. It's just a word more, most people aren't familiar with. Yeah. Right. So don't let the word throw you. It just means 
it, it, like you said, it's a whole tail kind of, it's like a hybrid product, right? Between a whole tail and a wholesale. Yep. Um, but one of the things that you just said is that uh, it's not a super distressed situation. So, you know, one of the things I found in my market here in Denver, of course we have distress, but in these higher price uh, markets where there's more equity typically in a home, we don't see the same level of financial distress a lot of times. Uh, and so we found that this strategy worked really good because, I mean, on a if you have 100 leads and you walk in, maybe 10 to 15 of them are that distressed wholesale. Yeah. 10 to 15 on the upper end are probably retail. That leaves about 60, maybe more that are what I would, what I kept calling in-betweeners. Mm -hmm. And I would say to myself, like, we have got to figure out how to monetize these in-betweeners because otherwise we're just competing on a wholesale price. Yeah. Or we're just competing with the thousands of agents that are out there. Yeah. So what I found was that, uh, this concept of what, what you figured out how to do with fix and flips and turnkey and innovations and wholesale is you've got this big giant tool belt and your sales team is walking in and they're not, they're not missing opportunities, right? They're monetizing everything that's monetizable. Um, so why do you think that so many new investors get caught in this trap of just chasing more and more and more leads most of the time, right? The answer isn't, let me figure out how to get the deals that I've already got in my CRM done. The answer is, how do I find more leads? Because I couldn't monetize those and I just, you know, move on and try to get a different deal. Why do you think that is? Oh, man. Um, I, I think change is hard right? Like, um, let's face it, wholesale is like, I still love wholesale. If I can buy a house for a hundred and sell it the next day for 125 and close in seven days, that's awesome. Yep. Right. The, the challenges, and, and I use this analogy and I always watch sort of the light bulb go off for people. And I was like, uh, wholesale is this, we actually have to go find a needle in a haystack that is a seller with a distressed property that needs work. That'll sell it to us for 50% of what it's worth. I don't even know if needle in a haystack does it justice, right? So if there's something more difficult than finding an actual needle in a haystack, it would be finding a deal, right? And then after I, I buy the needle in a haystack, I have to go out and sell the property to another needle in a completely different haystack that is a cash buyer that's crazy enough to buy a house and fix it up and try and profit from it, right? That's willing to take all of the risk. So general wholesale, but people are, they're, they're, they're willing to do something that's really hard if they've gotten used to it versus something that could be half as hard, but it's new, right? Like people will say to me, uh, I did a video about this this morning. The question everybody asks is why wouldn't they just list it? And I had to think, and I was like, man, that's a really good question. It like never comes up, to be honest with you. Every investor that I teach this to ask that question right around where they go, wow, this is awesome. Wait, hold on a second. Why wouldn't they just list it, right? Like 99% of people I teach this to say it. You probably asked me when I taught you, mm -hmm. but like no sellers ever ask me. So I'm like, I wonder why that is. And I think you made a valid point, right? Is that we actually find success. We do one six-figure novation per month right? 
And about six months ago, my sales manager was like, yeah, but you can't count on that. Yeah, but why? And the answer was, is we don't go out and specifically focus on those deals. We get them through television. Most of, Almost every one of our higher um, profit innovation deals come from television. And they're the more expensive homes, which most people go, yeah, but the more discerning buyer at that price point is way too smart to do innovation. And I'm like, well, it's actually the contrary. So what I found is, is when you're doing a wholesale deal, you're solving a money problem. When you do a innovation deal on a, we've done them on $800,000 homes. By the way, in my market, the median price is 250. So the $800,000 deal that I did was almost four times the average price of a home in my market. There was no distress. The lady was loaded. She had a house problem. She didn't have a money problem. Right. So what, what we actually solve is like you, you've heard of first world problems. Right. So the normal distress we look for in pre foreclosure, tax sales, frustrated landlords, those are not first world problems. Those are money problems. The average novation seller is looking to avoid a house problem, whatever that might mean to them. Right. Like they don't want um, they might have had most of these folks have bought and sold multiple properties and they just have a negative sort of perception about the normal routine conventional way of selling with a real estate agent. And they're trying to avoid that at all costs. And working with someone like you or I, we sort of insulate them from all of that, that hassle, the frustration, the repairs um, at a novation deal that's supposed to close Friday. Yesterday, the appraiser was like, oh, you got to remediate mold in the shed outside. It's like, wait, what? Right. For a normal homeowner, it's like, they're scrambling and say, how am I going to get this done? I'm supposed to close Friday. I had it done four hours later, mm -hmm. right? And it cost us 800 bucks. Now the deal will, will close on time. But a normal homeowner doesn't want to deal with that stuff. They don't know how to deal to that stuff. And frankly, normal real estate agents aren't necessarily equipped to handle that stuff, right? Like every investor has a handyman. Every investor has a roofer. Every investor has a septic guy, a plumber, an HVAC guy. A lot of real estate agents don't. So that responsibility would flow down to the homeowner to go out and find an HVAC guy. And what do they pay? Retail. What do you think a seller would have paid to get mold remediated from a, a floor joist in a shed? It could have been 5,000. It might've killed the deal, mm -hmm. right? So what happens is, is with Novations, I've found that we solve house problems, first world problems, not money problems that are associated with the normal distress uh, of a wholesale deal. I mean, the way that we we talk about it on our team is a lot of our best deals and novations are affluent sellers that yep. want to pay for convenience. Yes. That's what they're, that's what they're doing. Yep. They have the money. They just don't have the time Correct. or, or the knowledge. I mean, we just did a, a, the novation that we're closing on uh, tomorrow. We did with a 90 year old couple that just, didn't want anything to do with it. They're just like, my kids are in Texas. We want to go ahead and get a jump on getting down there. We would really not like to deal with all the little things because they've lived in that house for 25 years, I think. I mean, you're, you're going to accumulate some small problems. These things are, these are the things that we deal with on a daily basis as real estate investors. It's normal. It's easy. Normal. Yeah. Normal. And so that's ultimately the value that we're providing to these people. But it all starts on the sales at, you know, on the first conversation. And what I've noticed is that what worked for 
us as investors for the last, you know, I'm, I'm still fairly new in this business, about three years in. What worked for me for that entire time was we just buy the house at 76, 78, 82% of value. And you can assign that, wholesale that and make 20, 25, 30K, you know, just like that. We didn't have, I mean, I say it was like we were order takers. We were not selling. And so, well, what's happened? The market shifted a little bit. I don't know if, if people have noticed over the last six, you know, six to eight months, the market is sinking in bit. right about now. Yeah. Yeah. And so what we were doing no longer makes sense in my mind, not only because, well, first of all, we got to buy those wholesale deals now at 60 cents on the dollar or less. Uh, but the sellers haven't quite come to terms with the market shift. So, you know, the idea with the investor frame is that knowing what I know now, would I continue to try to wholesale every single deal? I'm, I'm going to suggest, no, you cannot do that anymore. In order to survive this market, you've got to shift. You've got to make changes. And, and novations have been a huge uh, part for that for me. But again, I think it's like you, you touched on, it's, it's something new. It's hard to learn new things. Uh, but, you know, it's my opinion that if you don't learn this, if you don't learn creative financing strategies in this new market, probably not going to make it out because what got us, got us to this point is not going to get us through the next two to three years. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, um, you know, anytime I talk to someone that has hesitations about doing innovations, they have the story they tell themselves about why it wouldn't work, why buyers wouldn't buy the property, why agents wouldn't list the property, why title companies won't um, close the deal, why sellers won't agree to it. And it's because they've they've become so attached to the model that they've been running for so long. Um, no one actually asks sellers. Like people will say, why won't they sell it? And I was like, well, why don't the sellers that you buy your wholesale deals from list it? Like you could literally put any property in any condition on the MLS the last three years mm -hmm. and it would sell for probably way more money than you ever thought. And they always go, well, geez, I don't know. I guess it's because they don't want to deal with showings. I said, is it vacant? Yeah. So the showings don't really impact them. Was it time? How quick did you close? Oh, 60 days. So why did they sell it to you again? It wasn't about the showings. It wasn't about the time. Like, I think what you, you have to realize is that most people call you as an investor because they're seeking a solution, right? And if you come to the property, you get to know their story. You and I were talking about everybody has a story, right? We have a story to tell. The seller has a story to tell. Once we really understand that story and we can marry that story to a solution, for us to leave and them not have their housing problem fixed is, is debilitating to them. It's frustrating. They got to start all over. One of the things in our sales process is we're, we're at the house probably for an hour before we even start talking about pricing and settlement. So now let's say once we get towards the end of our sales process, we've been there an hour and a half, two hours. You don't think in the back of the seller's mind that they're thinking, well, geez, if I don't make a deal with Paul and I call two or three other people, I'm going to have to invite two or three other strangers that might not be as nice as Paul, right? They, they, they're going to ask me all of these kind of challenging questions about my story that I didn't mind sharing, but I don't want to do it five times. And I'm going to spend, and I'll even tell people, I'll say, Paul, if this doesn't work, like really what you should do 
is invite another two or three investors out. You never know what they're going to offer. I mean, it's only 10 or 15 hours out of your time. If that's what it took for you to get a little bit of extra money for the property, I'm sure it's a small price to pay. And you know what they'll say? Dude, I don't want to spend another minute thinking about this. If this deal works for you and you can get me the 250, I don't care if you, they'll say it. I don't care if you sell it for a million bucks as long as I get my 250. And then people go, well, well, what do they do when they see that you're making money? Most of the time they pat me on the back. I told them up front, the only reason I'm going to do this, like you don't think people know you're making money when you do a wholesale deal? Of course they do, right? But what I found is people will actually, they think that you're making way more money than you actually are. So if you're just up front about it, they'll more than happily let you make money as long as you deliver what you said you were going to give them. Yep. Right. And that's the, the big thing. So we're, you know, why do we have so much success with it? We spend 45 minutes to an hour with people before we propose a, a solution. So we're able to marry that solution to their unique set of problems. It's probably not unique to us. It's unique to them. Yeah. Right. And, and we deliver um, on, on what we say we're going to do. People are like, well, what if it doesn't sell? Well, then I made a huge mistake, but I don't know about you. When I look at novations, those comps are much easier for me to predict than it is a fully renovated house. Because every time I look at a comp, I'll see 10 comps and maybe one of them was a flip. The other eight or nine were like lived in, they were in okay condition, a little bit smaller, a little bit bigger, finished basement, no finished basement. They're, 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 most of the houses fit in this neat little kind of in-between condition. When we flip a house, we're always pushing value. We're hoping that appraiser assigns you know, a higher dollar amount to our property because it's brand new. All of the comps hadn't been renovated in maybe five or 10 years. And a lot of times that's not how it works. The appraiser lumps our condition into the same condition as a property that's been lived in for 15 years with no recent updates. And that's a frustrating part about being a house flipper. When you do novations, I have way less, hardly any, appraisal issues because I'm not pushing values to try and recoup all this renovation money. I'm mm -hmm. selling a house that's in good condition that normally breezes through FHA, VA, home inspections, but it hasn't been, you know, it's not a brand new flip where I'm trying to push the value to recoup all that money. So they're way more predictable deals for me. They've turned out to be way more profitable. Mm -hmm. um, and quite frankly, our sellers um, or you're, you're dealing with like the, 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 I think the, the ugly little secret no one talks about in wholesale is that distressed seller that gives you the opportunity to get a discount is often just a, a very, um, emotional person. They change their mind a lot. Um, they've waited oftentimes to the very last second. So they're, they're sort of pinned against the wall. And even though we offered help, um, they feel like they know that they left money on the table. They know that they sold it at a discount, but they had to because they maybe didn't manage their, their finances correctly, or they didn't manage the house the way that they should have. And they're just often not super happy about what they're going through. It doesn't have anything to do with us. It's the sort of ugly circumstances surrounding the foreclosure or the divorce or the loss of employment or or whatever, right? Like they always got some some challenging stuff going on. And we just happen to be part of that story. We're the villain, mm -hmm. right? That came in and bought the house and saved them from foreclosure, but we're the big bad investor that made a bunch of money. Um, where Novations, in my experience, they're much cleaner, um, predictable, um, low distress. Like they don't need to close in three days, right? They're not freaking out about every little detail. Um, for me, I, I enjoy doing those transactions. And then we're just 
we're actually doing deals on nicer homes, right? Like they don't have moldy basements and collapsing foundations and failed septics and you know, blue tarps over the roof. We're actually, we've elevated the playing field that we operate in, um, which for me um, is just a more enjoyable transaction um, in my experience. I couldn't agree more. The, the, the level of distress you're dealing with in a wholesale situation is uh, significantly different than the, than the type of situation you're dealing uh, with when we do these innovations. But I want to, I want sort of want to back up to the idea of investors having optionality right now and the importance of that in this market. Because what I noticed um, when I got into this, this world and I came from, it was, it was interesting because I, my background was selling solutions that didn't exist yet to companies uh, like Amazon and Walmart and United Airlines. And we didn't have this like product pushing mentality because we didn't even have the product yet. We had to figure out what the product needed to be in order to actually fit it. And I, what I noticed when I got into this business is, is like, you see these wholesalers and it's like, they're carrying around this hammer and they're just trying to hammer everything that they see, whether it's a screw or a staple yeah. or a nail or a board, yeah. they're just like hitting everything trying to hammer it. And I'm like, you guys have it inverted. You need to reverse the order because I don't just take a hammer and walk around and try to find things to hammer with. What you do is you have a tool belt, you figure out what the appropriate tool is for that, that problem. And then you pull that tool out then and apply yeah. it. But I mean, have you experienced that as, as wholesalers, this, this, you know, hammer mentality where you're just trying to hammer everything in and how does that play in with the idea of optionality and what we need now as investors well i would what tell you if, for a long time. If, if you're carrying around a hammer and that's your only tool you're you're not an investor you're just a wholesaler and there's nothing wrong with that right right if all you do is fix and flip you're a house flipper you're not an investor if all you do is one thing you're actually not in its true definition an investor you're operating in a very and there's nothing wrong with that right um but i think what happens is is when you when you when you have one exit strategy i think to your point wholesale the last couple of years you could buy from a portion of the population that historically has not been a good fit for an investor because the the appreciation of properties is outpaced seller expectations. That's why I think cold calling works so well the last three years, because you literally could call someone to go, yeah, Paul, I'll sell it for 250. And in their mind, that's a ridiculous number. And they're like, I can buy it for 250. Deal. Right. And then there was some other person that was borrowing money at 3% that would have paid you 270 and everybody was happy. Mm -hmm. Right. Now that deal's not worth 250. It's worth 170. And that seller's no more distressed than they were before. So they're just going to hold on to it. I think that's what you're seeing, right? In most markets, people are just holding on to their deal. They got a 3% interest rate. Equity only matters when they sell. They're just holding on to the deal, right? So now even like our marketing needs to change. I've seen a drastic decline in cold calling, a drastic decline in virtual wholesaling. Why? Because virtually you could literally offer somebody very close to what they were asking, not have to get much of a discount and go out and sell that property and make money. Now you may need to be able to get a $70,000 discount from the price they had in their mind. That's just harder to do over the phone than it is in person. It just is, right? Um, so there's a lot of things that work the last probably five years. Like the market's been laughably lucrative since probably 2017, 
right? Um, and now it was like we were going 100 miles an hour down the freeway and someone just yanked the emergency brake and everything that was is now not, right? Um, so there's still deals to be done. And in my market, the, the, the most active buyer is an FHA, VA, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac borrower that needs an inspection. They want a home inspection. They need an appraisal and they can't pay more than the appraised value. And they might need a little bit of seller's help, maybe a little 3% gift here from the seller to help with their down payment. Those people were not active the last three years. They could not participate in the housing market that offered 3% interest rates. Why? Because you weren't getting the seller's help in 2020. You right. darn sure weren't doing a home inspection and you had to waive in most cases the appraisal mm -hmm. or be willing to pay an appraisal difference. I never, I've been in business since 2006. I never heard of an appraisal difference waiver or a like this crazy stuff. So if you made an offer and you were a VA buyer, an FHA buyer asking for $10,000 seller's help, a home inspection and appraisal, most realtors wouldn't even take you out and show you homes. So now they're very active. This is like the moment they've been waiting for. And by the way, they can still borrow money. I just looked yesterday at 5.7%. That's not crazy, right? It's still, and, and they can get a $10,000 discount. They can get help with their down payment. They have the peace of mind of doing a home inspection to make sure they're not inheriting you know, a bunch of problems. I saw a statistic uh, maybe a month ago, there was a report that said 70% of people that bought a house post-COVID are frustrated or disappointed with their purchase. For a number of reasons, I I paid too much. Maybe I bought this house, didn't do inspection. There's all this crap going on, right? Uh, I'm getting nickel and dime doing repairs. Um, but most people had FOMO. It was like, oh my God, 3%, I better go buy a house. I never thought about buying one before. I'm not even sure I need one, but everybody else is doing it, right? So my point is, is right now, the market gives us retail buyers, FHA, VA, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac borrowers that need a little seller's help, that want to do a home inspection. So every deal that we can take and expose to that market, we are maximizing opportunity. That's what an investor does. Yeah, Investor doesn't always buy. They don't always sell. They buy the dip, they sell the, at the peak. That's what they do, right? Yeah. Right now, the dip is wholesale. The peak is FHA, VA, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac borrowers that need a little bit of help. That transaction probably takes 45 days to close. Right. So if we can navigate through that process because we know how to do novations on the front end, what the value proposition is to a seller, we understand how to navigate the TC process, the lending process, the appraisal process on the back end. We now have all of these to your point. It's about 50 to 60 percent of everybody's pipeline of leads are a great fit for novations and a horrible fit for wholesale or fix or flip. Right. So now we can actually buy the haystack, not the needle, and sell to the haystack, not the needle. Right. One of the big things wholesalers have to learn is how to build a buyer's list. The MLS is the best buyer's list in the world. And it's free. <laughs> yeah. It's free. Yeah. Right. So every deal you, I see people, I teach them novations and they're doing these retail transactions, but they're also taking their wholesale deals to the MLS. And miraculously, they're finding cash buyers that were nowhere on their buyer's list. They had never bought an investment property before. They're working with a real estate agent. And I'll ask people, I'll go, what did you pay for your first investment property? They'll go, gosh, way too much. And I was like, yeah, wouldn't you like to sell to those people? Well, yeah. Well, why aren't they on your buyer's list? Because they never bought a house before. So it also opens up all of this 
you know, um, cash buyer investor um, buyers that we wouldn't otherwise have access to as as a, on our buyers list because they're working with a real estate agent. And most buyers lists are built for wholesalers by scrubbing the list of people that have bought homes and paid cash for them in that market. These folks have never done deals before, so they're completely off of our radar. Mm -hmm. So you showed me literally everything I know about Novations. And in the last year we've done, I was kind of looking back, uh, going into 2021. I think I learned this from you back in like September, 2021. And we've done a total of about 12 uh, with this one that's closing. You know, not a massive amount of volume, but yeah. these deals aren't ten to fifteen thousand dollar deals. They're thirty, forty thousand and up. So we don't need to do a ton of them. Yeah. Well, here's but the like, part. Here, let me ask you this question before we move on. Where did you find those leads? Did you go like run a separate mail campaign or like buy a new set of data? Where did you find those deals? That's exactly what I want to spend the last bit of this conversation talking about. It's yeah. like, let's turn this into some action, actionable things that people can do to identify these novations. And we'll just, we'll do it through a story, right? Cool. So here's what I did. First thing I did is I said, well, let's go back through our, our CRM and let's find these middle of the road sellers. I want to know who wants to sell their house but where we couldn't make a deal on price. And we started meeting with these people. Yeah. Right. First thing we did is we looked at our existing pipeline and we said, where are we missing these opportunities? Where now looking through a new lens of like, oh, right. I'm not just a hammer. I'm an investor. Let's, let's look at it from an investor standpoint. And really it, it had to, we had to change our sales process. We had to, because like you said, it was very easy to just be like, yeah, I'll give you 250 for it. I'm like, okay. Well, that wasn't really a thing uh, as we started going back with these particular sellers. Um, you know, so that was the first thing we did. We went back through our pipeline and we, we, we re-engaged with these sellers, um, you know, around the concept of if we were able to get you your price, what, what kind of access could you give me to the house? Yeah. Right? How much time do you need to close this deal? Because we just, it was completely blindside. I didn't know how to do this. I didn't even, I wasn't aware this was a thing. So first of all, anybody who's an active investor that has a CRM, I can almost guarantee, like, take it to the bank, send me the bill for Eric's Novation program if you can't yeah. go back and find an opportunity in your CRM that fits this bucket, yeah. first of all. Would you agree? Yeah, I had a fellow CG member, guy's name's Matt Simmons out of Pittsburgh. Uh, like the weekend after I taught him Novations, he went into his CRM and dropped an RVM to all 6,000 people. He wrote up nine Novation deals the following 14 days. And these are people that were in his CRM from three weeks, three months, three years prior. And the RVM said, call me, we have a great new program. I may be able to get you an extra twenty to fifty thousand dollars for your house if you're still thinking about selling. And they called back and he said, "Well, what's this new program?" And he went through it. We need to have reasonable access. I need your permission to take it to the open market. And in exchange, I think I can get you way more money for the house, and we can probably get this buttoned up in the next forty-five to ninety business days. Maybe it doesn't work for you. Felt obligated to let you know about our new program. Nine people said, 
yes, sign me up. I think he went to settlement on seven of them and made a quarter of a million dollars by one ringless voicemail that he dropped to people that were in his CRM that he were hoping like they'll change their mind. They don't change their mind. Something would have to happen with their circumstances that moved them from middle of the road to distressed, right? Which it just doesn't happen very often, not with this particular demographic of people. Um, so yeah, I would say what I found is out of, we measure leads in batches of a hundred out of every hundred net leads. I see about 40% of those are ideal fits for innovations, reasonably motivated houses, turnkey. Um, they're flexible on terms. They'd like to do business with me. They're not going to give it away. Right. Mm -hmm. If you suck at sales, you're not disciplined enough to make an offer to every single person that says no to cash and you do a terrible job of follow-up, you should close 5%. If you suck at sales, but you're disciplined enough to offer this to every single person that says no to the cash offer, and you still do a bad job of follow-up, you should close 10%. Yeah. If you're good at two out of those three, right? I think the most important one is actually just being disciplined to offer it to every single person. You could be a bland, not real exciting salesperson. And if every person you offered a hundred to before you left, you said, I could offer you 130. Here's the two things that would have to happen in order for me to want to do that deal. If you think you have interest, let me know and I'll see if I can get you qualified. You'll close 15%. So now if you look at out of every hundred net leads to your point, 10% can normally be converted to a wholesale deal. That's 10 opportunities. And that's our experience there's, too, Eric. That's what we've been seeing. There's four to six opportunities that live in the middle, almost as much as down here, but they converted a much higher rate, right? Because mm -hmm. what happens? Every other wholesaler offered them 50 grand less than you did, right? They made they tried to hammer that deal and say, well, your house needs fixed up. Well, no, my kitchen's actually pretty nice. Well, maybe to a flipper, they'd rip out that 15-year-old oak kitchen and put quartz and marble and all this stuff in. But a buyer moving into that's going to go, well, this is pretty nice, right? So we're playing in, uh, under different rules, which allows us to make significantly um, more offers to more people that are willing to consider what we have. Like, I mean, literally, if you're lucky, if one out of 10 people considers selling their house for 50 cents on the dollar, right? It's just really, really difficult to get people to agree to that. And again, the only time that really happens is when there's pretty significant distress, yeah. Um so, yeah, I mean, the, the, the big thing is, um, is that these leads, you don't have to run a separate campaign. You don't have to go out and buy new leads. You don't, you just have to develop the skill set, which like the pitch, I teach people in five minutes, the contract, it's literally one line, one line. That's the easy part. The hard part is how do I embrace change? How do I modify my dispositions process? Which for me, my dispositions process says I list it with a licensed agent with Keller Williams. I pay 1% listing commission, 2.5% buyer. My dispo process is the easiest thing in the world. I turn it over to a realtor because that's what they do. They sell retail properties to retail buyers. They understand how to navigate through the appraisal process, the mortgage process, the inspection process, you know, the underwriting process. So we're, we're we, it eliminates the whole back end of this deal, which now means you can spend more time meeting with sellers, making offers and closing acquisitions, which is, the, that's the the engine that drives this business. That's where, <clears throat> this is a sales problem from what, mm -hmm. I, what I kind of figured out. Like you said, the pitch, it took us a little while. We stubbed our toe the first three or four that we tried to do because yeah. we couldn't quite get it through our thick skulls 
why someone like we couldn't understand the seller perfectly understood the value in the deal. They don't want to deal with the, the, the whole process of listing it, but because we had been using hammers so often, we couldn't yeah. understand why anybody would use a screwdriver. It doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Uh, and when you can overcome that, and, and really the only reason we were able to do that is because you showed us how to pitch these things. The next challenge is that a lot of, I see a lot of people get hung up on is the contracts. Well, well, how does this work? Right? Like you, you say it's one line in the contract, but, but, but there's an A and a B and then you're replacing it with A and C and there's all these yeah. things. And, ah, you know, to a, to a wholesaler, they're like, I don't know. I don't know how to do that. But they didn't know how to wholesale before they started either. It was just, it was equally intimidating, right? When you went from being like, if you want to, if you want to freak somebody out, teach a new real estate agent, how to do wholesale, they'll go, what? Yeah. This is crazy. You can't do that. And I was like, yeah, we do it all the time. Actually, it's probably more popular than conventional real estate. But so anything that's new to people always is shocking and it's intimidating and it's a lot until it's not like now to you, you could teach people innovations and you've done 12 or 13 of them. Right. But I remember the first time you called me, you're like, Hey man, I got this guy. He has this condo. And, you know, we offered him like 180. He wanted 220. I think I can get him to do this. What do I say to him? And I was like, literally just tell him you need 60 days and access and you can get him the money. And you called me back like two hours later and you're like, he said, okay. I'm like, <laughs> well, yeah, that's how it works. Right. I think you ended up making a couple bucks on the property. You might've made 20 grand or something on it, but it was way easier than you would anticipate. You're like, I don't know if he's going to go for it. I was like, dude, just tell him you need access and 60 days and see what he says. And he said, yes. Right. So the, the, yes, the paperwork's a little more difficult, but once you do it, like in our, in our, in our, um, course, we used to just give everybody the contracts and I've recorded probably 25 videos that I break down every part of the deal um, and teach them. And I found that a lot of people had questions like, um, I'm a very hands-on learner. You could send me a hundred videos. I may watch two of them and I'll probably absorb and retain 5% of the information. And all of these entrepreneurs, wholesalers, business owners I was selling this education to would always text me with questions or call me or post in our private Facebook group. And I was like, after they do about three deals, you really become like a pro, mm -hmm. right? And uh, especially if you're already doing business, right? Like if you're already doing wholesale, after you do three innovations, like you really have the hang of it. And I said, what do I have to do to get people to do their first two to three transactions? And we found that it's about 12 weeks worth of support. So we added 12 weeks of weekly coaching calls that now these people get access to that once they get the documents and the videos and all the training and all that stuff, we do 12 weeks worth of, of, of weekly calls um, where we're diving into what's the pitch, right? How do I overcome these two or three objections? What do I say to my title company? What happens if a lender or a title company asks what my involvement is? So we do that over the course of 12 weeks. And then we found that most people get through their first one to three closings. Um, and then they sort of, you know, become a master at it. They understand how to overcome common objections. The paperwork becomes a breeze to them. Um, and we offer a lot of support and training around TC because that's where a lot of the work is done, right? Like the paperwork of the A to B replacement with the A to C, that's happening inside of transaction coordinating. Um, so we spend a lot of time and energy training title companies and TC people on how to do those deals. Yeah. It's well, just not the question that I would ask. The question I would say to people, 
right now. And, and, you know, I get no benefit other than like, I just have, it's made a massive impact on my business. Yeah. Uh, and I, and I appreciate everything that you've done to show me this. We don't have the option any longer as if you want to be a wholesaler, if you want to be a, you know, hammer guy, then forget about this. But if you're an investor, knowing what we know now, it's my opinion, you don't have the luxury of ignoring this any longer. And, and the, really the gap is when you explain it to someone, they, they have some reservations, but it's just like anything else. It's all about behavior modification. If, if you are unwilling to make those changes and to, to like commit to figuring out how to do something new, then don't, then don't join Eric's program. Like don't do it because if you can't, if you're not willing to make those changes right now, it's just not going to be a good fit. That's my experience. The downside is, you know, you get overwhelmed by the fact that I don't know how to do this and you just never take action on it. You know what I've actually realized and I'll bounce this idea off you. I'm, I'm, and, and hopefully you'll, you'll see the light at the end of the tunnel. Cause I'm, I'm about 75% finished. The majority of the people I've taught this to were existing investors. And they had all these limiting beliefs and reasons why they didn't think it could be done because it was so different um, in their eyes to what they had always done. What I found was the people that have no issue with it are people that have never done a deal before. So I've actually rebranded and I'll be launching it probably by June of this year as Wholesale 2.0. It's not a bolt on to your existing business. It's a new way of doing business. Like literally, if you were to ask every wholesaler, and this is where we find we're able to have the biggest impact with most people that are doing deals now and want to learn innovations. If a seller called in to 90%, of these wholesale operations or fix and flip operations or burr operations and said, I have a house. I'd like to move in the next six months. It's in really good shape. I actually renovated it about three years ago and I'm not going to give it away. I want about 85 or 90% of value. Most people are going to go, sorry, I'm not your guy. Bye. If you got that call today on a $400,000 house, what would you do? I'd novate it you'd innovate the stink off that thing, right? Like 15% <laughs> spread on a $400,000 house is $60,000. Even if I gave 10% to the real estate agents and the buyers, I'm still going to keep a large portion of the profit, right? It actually becomes your most desirable lead. Because if, if a distressed seller calls in and says, man, I just want to be rid of it. I'm going to get three different offers. I want to sell in the next 60 days. Every investor is coming to the house and giving them their best sales pitch. Every right. seller that calls an investor and says, I want close to market value. I'm not sure I want to move right away. Um, no one's going to that appointment. So they called five people. You're the only person at the house. You're the only person that's made an offer. They have one option, maybe two, do business with you or to start over and, so, and seek a different solution, right? But in most cases, you're able to accommodate people's asking price. You're just asking for some flexible terms from them. And those really only those terms are, we'll settle in 60 days or 90 days. But at the end of those sales calls, most people are saying, well, Paul, that offer sounds great, but I'm not in any hurry. Okay, great. I'll make note of that. Hey, by the way, Paul, when you say not in any hurry, does that mean if you were able to get the price that you're looking for or close to it, that you might consider closing in, I don't know, the next two or three months? And they'll go, yeah, no rush. Two or three months would be fine. Okay, good. I'll make note of that, right? That should be a trigger. When you hear someone say, this is my favorite. Hey, man, this sounds really good, but I'm not going to give it away. There's an alarm that should go off in your head that says, Novate, 
when someone says, Hey man, this seems pretty good, but you know, I'm just going to wait it out. I'm not in any hurry. Right. Cause what do we do as a hammer? The market's crashing. Values are going down. You better sell it now. These people are like, well, I don't have a money problem. That's no big deal. If I got to hold it for another three years, I'm not in any hurry. Those should be five alarms that go off to go. Novate, Novate, Novate. A good friend of mine, Matt Andrews, who you know, goes, the only reason you wouldn't do novations is because you don't know how. Yeah, that's it. So I'm actually, I'm thinking about packaging up and just selling it as the new way of doing wholesale. Because it really it is should that. It, it certainly is that. And in order to get, because, because your biggest problem with this, with, with, there's not a question of whether this works or not. This works. If you need evidence of that, just go follow Eric on, on social media. He'll show you the countless number of examples every single day of people having success with this. I'm happy to open up my books and show you how these novations have worked. In fact, like I said, we've got one closing tomorrow. The thing that keeps people from doing it is not knowing how. If you want to learn how, Eric has literally laid it out. It's not... Uh, it's going to take a little bit of work to learn this. It's not like uh, you just come in and immediately you start having every single deal starts falling down. No, if it was that easy, uh, it wouldn't have so much opportunity. There is riches in the niches. There is an opportunity to learn how to do something that 90% of people out there, wholesalers, will not learn how to do because it's new. So if, you, if you're looking for optionality in your business, if you're looking for a way to navigate the changing market and you don't want to get left behind, you, I mean, in my mind, you have no option other than to pay attention to this wholesaling 2.0. You know, and in fact, I like that better because the word novation, we've tried to scrub. I mean, we don't say that word around sellers ever. Like you're not allowed to say that word. And when you're talking about it to, to agents and other people that might bring us opportunities, do not say the word novation because it confuses people. Yeah, we use, and a lot of our people have a ton of success. We, we, we use the equity protection program. And then we tell a little story behind it where we'll tell sellers because everybody loves a story. And I'll tell them, I'll say, you know, Paul, um, I'll share this with you. Maybe you don't care. But you know, as a real estate investor, nine times out of 10, when I make an offer, people tell me no. That makes for some really long days. Like when I wake up and I know that I'm going to make 10 offers today and nine people are going to tell me to kick rocks. It's exhausting. So I went to my business partner, I went to my investors and I said, is there any way that we could help more people? And they go, well, what do you mean? I go, well, everybody loves our process. They just don't love our offers. Can we offer more money? And they go, well, you can either offer more money or you can be a smart investor. And I said, well, that doesn't, I don't, I'm not willing to accept that. I think there's gotta be a way where we can offer sellers more money and still be an investor. So I put my head down. I did a lot of studying. I studied all the real estate laws. I studied all of the compliance. And I came up with this equity protection program. Now, maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm not even sure that your property or this, you know, circumstances would qualify for that. But it's a way that we're able to help a lot more sellers protect more of their equity, but go, you know, a slightly different route than the normal conventional way of selling a home. Um, if that is of any interest to you, would you do me a favor and just let me know? And I'll spend five minutes and walk you through it. And they're like, wow. Yeah. How's that work? Now that doesn't mean everybody's just going to go, where do I sign? But they'll, you'll watch them. They'll go, they'll lean in and they'll go, well, how's that work? 
mm-hmm. right? Everybody wants to be part of a program. They want to be accepted to the club. They want to be part of the group. So when we call it a program, it adds legitimacy to it. We've actually created, I posted yesterday on my Facebook um, and everybody that uh, joins our group and Paul, you have access to it, an explainer video. It's a cool little 60 second animated video that we'll send out to a client if we didn't close the deal that day and they'll go, hey, can you tell me more about that program? I want to show it to my attorney. I want to show it to my spouse or I want to show it to my business partner. And we also have an infographic that's like a two-sided one-page document that's a brochure that walks them through how the program works, right? Mm -hmm. Rather than writing it on the back of a piece of paper and expecting the customer to retain that information, we've made it a real program because to your point, novation doesn't mean anything to a seller. It doesn't mean anything to a real estate agent. If they were to it Google it- It scares them, actually. Yeah, they'd get right? a bunch of different- like, Yeah, when you say equity protection program, right? They go, well, that makes sense, right? And then we put some ex- explanations and some real information behind it that just makes people more comfortable leaning into it, accepting the offer. And then we just have to go out and execute, which is the easiest part of our job. Yeah. So the process kind of works like this. If, you know, if I may break it down, how I kind of you know, do this with my team, there's a couple, there's a couple sections. First is you've got to recognize the type of seller is different. And um, you figure this out over the course of a 45 minute to an hour long conversation. And, yeah. and I, I try to teach my sales team not to make an assumption based on what they think the deal is before they've had that 45 minute to an hour long conversation because you want to try to get all the information out. You want to create that. uh, What is it called? The sunk cost fallacy. So like that seller sits with you for an hour and now they're like, well, I don't want to have to do this again with somebody else. I might, I might as well figure out how to make a deal with this person. So you get a lot of value by staying there, listening and really understanding Two, you got to figure out how to pitch this in a way that does not use words that they're not familiar with. Because if you do that, they're going to start thinking, oh, this is an investor trying to get me, right? Yep. You're triggering this sales resistance, this fear when you start saying things that they don't know what you're saying. So the pitch is the kind of the next thing. Yep. Contracts, like how to structure them, how yep. to, you know, the AB and the memorandum and the power of attorney and all this sort of stuff. It sounds like a lot. It's not. You're just not familiar with it figure out how to do that. And then it's dispo from there. Very similar to a traditional like on market strategy. Yes. Those are the four areas of the deal. If you can learn how to recognize it, if you can learn how to speak on it, that doesn't trigger sales resistance. If you can learn how to do the contracts and you can do the dispo, which we're already doing, you can do at least one novation a month. I'm testament to that. We don't have a very big operation, but like we do novations almost more than we do wholesale. Right? There's more so of the like, deals out there, really. I mean, that's probably once people really implement it, you'll find there's more novation deals out there than there are wholesale deals. Yeah. And you'll start to convert deals that you would have jammed into wholesale and maybe the numbers work. But instead of making 20, you get it to the, the open market and you make 40, right? Like you, you'll, you can novate wholesale deals too. Like it doesn't have to be the other hammer where we try and make everything you know, innovation, you'll buy stuff at a deep discount that would actually sell on the open retail market to a person that wants to, to live into the house. And they're going to pay 30, 40, $50,000 more than an investor would sometimes more. Yeah. Um, we do plenty of, of novations that would have been good $25,000 wholesale deals. I had a deal. Um, <laughs> it was, um, 
a deal we bought for 150. I knew I got a great deal. It was a slam dunk. I could have set the house on fire. I would have made 20 grand. So we have a holding pattern for all of our properties where we take them to the MLS if, we, if we've been able to get the seller on board with the novation. And we won't consider even any cash or wholesale offers until we've had 72 hours on the open market. The first day we blasted out the deal, I had a 199 cash offer. That's remarkable. We're making 50 grand. Two days later on the MLS, 265 offer from an owner-occupant. And by the way, they're paying cash, right? So I would have never created that opportunity if I didn't have novations as part of my process. And I would have been super happy as, as I should with making 50 grand. But when I knew that I could make 115, it makes that 50 seem like it's no good, right? Yeah. So uh, this really should be the new way of doing business. Um, whether you focus on novations or you make it part of your business and it's half or 20%, um, I really believe, and it's not just because I teach people how to do it. My business would not be profitable without innovations. I'll do $335,000 innovation profits in December. Our total gross profit is just over $600,000. It's more than 50% of my deals. Um, that's what the market's giving us right now. It wasn't always that way. It was closer to 25%, um, but that's what the market bears right now. Retail buyers, FHA, VA, Fannie Mae that need an appraisal and a home inspection, they're the most active people in the market. And Novations allows you to sell to them without funding your deals, without flipping the deal, without owning the deal. So you get retail profits, but wholesale style transactions. Yeah. I mean, we'll finish with this. My question for everyone who's who's listened to us this far is like, how long can you afford to keep ignoring this in your business? With the way that the market is, uh, I just, you know, I, I highly recommend you taking advantage of this. Eric's charging a ridiculously low price to teach you how to do something that he learned how to do over the course of 10 years. Um, he gives you everything you need, how to pitch it, how to, how to write the contracts, how to negotiate it. Um, you know, it's, it's truly a comprehensive program. So Eric, how can more people, if they want to learn about novations, uh, how can they get in touch with you? How can they get involved? You know, how do they go about getting their first deal? Um, first way is, I mean, I put lots of stuff out on my social media. I literally one or two times a day am, am, am giving away, um, you know, the experience that I have in sales and acquisitions and Dispo and Novation specific. You can follow me on Instagram. It's Eric underscore Brewer underscore invest. Um, I also have an entire uh, curriculum and a Novation's mastery course. Um, you get all the documents, a two hour onboarding call with you and your entire team, um, and then 12 weeks of coaching calls in addition to 30 plus training videos that you get access to um, on our website. Um, you can uh, get access to that at brewermethod.com. Um, if you have some questions, like a lot of people are, are excited about it, they, they, they see the opportunity, but they have a couple questions. If you just DM me um, on Instagram, I'll send you a link to a 15 or 30 minute uh, Calendly and uh, I'll drop it for you. I mean, I'll just literally walk you through it. I have a nice slide deck that I've presented over a thousand times. I can show you how it works. Um, I can show you inside um, of most people's pipeline of, 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 of leads where these deals lie. And we can even talk about your specific um, volume of business. And we can, we can reasonably estimate how many additional deals and revenue you should see if you implemented this. Uh, Paul has seen what 13 deals at probably 300 plus thousand dollars in found revenue over the course of the last 15 months or so. 
Um, that's a big number, right? And it, it was the thing. You didn't have to go out and spend dedicated marketing on it. You didn't have to hire a special innovations person. It was literally money that was hiding under your nose. You just had to learn this one or two things that were different than what you were doing. And now you have all this profit that comes into your business. Um, so that's the best way to get a hold of me. DM me, um, you know, just DM me the word Novate or say, hey, I want to set up a call. And I have five or six of those calls a day. Love it. We'll put all those links in the uh, in the show notes so you guys can get it all there. Um, you know, Eric, thank you so much. I, I, I can't tell you how, uh, obviously, you, you know, you just kind of laid it out. This I probably wouldn't be in business had it not be for Novations either. So <laughs> thank you for everything that you've done to, to show me this. Um, I'm happy to, you know, hopefully give back. If anybody has questions about specific deals that are here in Denver, you want to run, you know, do I have an ovation? Is this, is this a, is this a novation? Happy to take a look at that too for you. Um, and what I just, I, the, the last thing I'll say is that, you know, I'm a big fan of the, the certainty operating system. That's sort of what we teach as part of the whale club. And this strategy fits what we're doing in, in on that side of the business in terms of certainty about as well as any other strategy I've come across. The downside is extremely low. The upside is massive. Uh, you're, you're really just recapturing and reallocating resources that are already there. They're sitting under your nose. You just don't know how to monetize them. So anyways, thank you, Eric. I appreciate all your, your time today and for sharing everything about Novations. And uh, um, you know, we'll, we'll probably have to bring you back later this year to, to update us again on the shifting market and, and how to navigate this is, you know, uh, this, this crazy world that we're going into right now. So appreciate all your expertise and thanks for joining me today. Thanks. For